to the Daily Regrounding Podcast, a space where together we can step into and steep in the natural world around us. Through interviews with experts in life, health, and business, as well as some solo regrounding riffs, we'll create mindful moments and deep breaths, allow for perspective and pause, and ultimately feel more connected and deeply content. I am your host, Meredith Ewenson. Let's dive in. Before we jump into this episode, I just wanted to introduce it as part of a short artist series. And I've been really inspired lately by the artists I've been finding that are inspired themselves by nature and their work is inspired by nature. And for many of them, they actually use elements of nature in their art. And I find it to be so fascinating and such, um, so beautiful and such a great visual representation and reminder of slowing down and having just a simple appreciation for nature. So I really hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, I'm very excited here to have Chanel Pinckney. She's a mixed media intuitive painter who lives in Jacksonville, Florida, and is the creative mind behind her company, Chanel Joy Fine Art. Her art reflects her love for the textures and colors so generously found in nature. She uses this inspiration to influence the direction of her art, working mainly with pigments that she crushes herself from foraged rocks, which I'm absolutely gonna ask about because that is so fascinating to me. (laughs) In this way, she creates work that is both inspired by the earth and created directly from it. She feels that when one is grounded and present in their surroundings, it allows calmness, peace, and intention to flourish. Um, I mean, seriously, if, if those words and the essence of your business doesn't speak my language. I'm not sure what does. I think that's what attracted me to you. And I, <laughs> I think so. I think so. so. Chanel, welcome. I'm excited to chat with you. Hey, thanks for having me. So I feel like there's obviously so many natural things, natural things that we could connect on. Um, talking about nature as your inspiration for your work. Of course, I want to talk about how you create your pigments and you know, that whole story and, and the process of that, your creative process. Um, but first, what's exciting for you right now? Oh, so many things. Um, I was recently published. I got a 10-page feature article in, in her studio magazine. Um, so that's a big nationwide art and creative magazine um, that I'm, I'm always so drawn to whenever I need inspiration from other creatives. Um, so I was able to kind of discuss more of uh, my studio space, um, you know, how, what led me into getting into my art uh, business full time and a little bit more on my practice. It's touched on in that article. So really excited about that. And let me see what else. Oh, I recently um, collaborated with the Washington Post. We did a fun little project to bring attention um, to the rising art scene here in Jacksonville, Florida. So haven't been able to release too much info on that just yet. I'm waiting for them to give me the go ahead, but I, I can't wait to talk a little bit more about that project. So, so good things. And we'll discuss it a little more. Um, but I also have a new collection I'm working on, yes. which is very meaningful to me. We'll get into that. I'm sure yeah. um, at some point in our conversation. So congratulations yeah. on both of those. It must feel really good to be recognized by the media um, for your work and your contribution. I mean, your work is so, so, so beautiful. Um, so 
I'm so curious how you came to being an artist. Is this something that started for you as a, as a child? Is this something that sort of developed later in life? Um, and also how and when did that become a business? Um, not just a talent or a skill or a hobby that, that, that you have? No, that's a great question. Um, I definitely was a creative child. Um, growing up, I was always outside. I was a collector of little things. I was always collecting shells, rocks, you know, um, I had a gemstone collection. I, you know, even back then I was drawn to rocks and stones. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so always creative as a child. My parents would save all my little drawings because they always thought they were uh, so detailed for the age that I was making them. And now looking back at the little baby books and the boxes of my sketches and stuff, uh, I, I can see, yeah, they were, you could tell that I was going the direction of being an artist, even from a young age. Um, through high school and through college, I always was looking for art, you know, courses I could take. Um, I also got into photography. Um, I tried and failed at ceramics. Um, so, so yeah, so I was always creative as a child. And then this little thing called adulthood happened. And <laughs> that? That? it really messed up all my free time. I don't know. What so something that had once been such a constant in my life, Suddenly after marriage and children, it started like dropping on my priority list. And I don't even think I realized it was happening at the time because I was just going through my adulthood life, you know? And um, yeah, so then my, my love for creating, it was still there. I found ways to do it, um, but it wasn't as consistent as it needed to be. And so when did that shift happen that you now, um, that you kind of came back into it and, and it became a business? Was that just within the last few years or? Yeah, it was, you know, this is probably a similar story for many creative minds. COVID. Yeah. COVID That's started. What hearing. That's what it sounds like yes. a lot of people, it, it gave them either the, the shove or the, um, or the nudge to follow their passion? For me, you know, the lockdown happened. We all had more time on our hands than we knew what to do with. Um, you know, anxiety for most of us was rising. Mm -hmm. And it was my husband who pointed out to me what I needed to do. You know, he, he said, he said something along the lines of, you know, you're, you're happiest when you're creating, when you're working on some aspect of an art project. He was like, you always say you never have time. Well, guess what? You have time now. <laughs> wow. And so that was, I don't know if that was a nudge or a shove. Maybe it was a bit of both, but <laughs> it's what got me to remember Yeah. what has always been my constant in life. You know, you know ma marriage came later, children came later, but me being an artist, that creative part of me had been there from day one. Mm -hmm. And I had been pushing it aside, pushing it aside for other obligations and other things. And now it was kind of like, okay, this is my time to really dive back into it. So I did. And it took off. Um, it, it was like all this stuff had been bottled up and I just like, I threw it all out there in, in the, my art business was born. Um, it took off and I just, oh my goodness, it's been so great. It's been so good. 
And has nature always been an inspiration and a sort of foundational part of your of your work? Um, or was that newly developed during the same time too? No, na- nature's always been something that I've looked to for inspiration. Um, like I said, you know, growing up, I was of that generation. You were always outside playing. You know, mm-hmm. we got kicked outside in first thing in the morning. We came in around dinner. And even back then, I was always attracted to natural things. So I had my favorite trees I wanted to climb. I had my little uh, shrub forts that we would, my brother and I, we would make forts inside of like shrubbery, you know. Um, I was always observing things in nature, how light came through tree branches, um, the way water would flow and how it would reflect and um just, you know, always looking to nature as a source. I was fascinated. I mean, how can you not be? It's so fascinating just being outside. Mm -hmm. uh, If you take enough time to just pause and -hmm. observe your surroundings. So I I would say that nature, even when I was really big into my photography, most of my subjects were natural, you know, sources that I would look to in nature to photograph. So it was, it heavily has influenced down to this day, the things that, um, I create. What types of landscapes uh, inspire you the most or what types are you sort of working with uh, at the moment? Let me see. So when I do abstract landscapes, I tend to love mountain ranges, which is kind of ironic because I live in Florida where we have zero mountains. (laughs) Um, You know, you, you would think maybe I'd be more into like beaches or something like that, but It might be because we don't have access readily to mountain ranges and hills that I love painting them because whenever we do travel somewhere, we tend to travel places that are opposite um, Mm -hmm. geography wise from Florida. So we're always traveling to places with mountains, with rolling hills, with, you know, all that beautiful stuff. And so when my favorite thing to paint is probably that when I'm going the route of an abstract landscape. Um, that's, that's probably my favorite, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. You say that because, um, as you know, I create meditations and they're inspired by nature. And one of the things I love to do is help connect people with nature, even if it's not what's right outside their door via meditation. And you do something similar with your art. You might not be looking at the mountain and exactly painting the mountain in front of you, but you have a vision, you have an energy, there's something you want to bring to that work of art, uh, whether it's right in front of you or not, it's, it's something that's important to you and that, that you want to bring in that you can share. So I, I, I can see a little bit of a similarity in the way um, that we both might manifest what, um, what we want to experience or what we want to help people experience through things that we just love. It's almost like it's our way of staying connected to something, you know? Mm -hmm. So even after I've returned home and the trip is over, Mm -hmm. I'm still dreaming of those mountainscapes. And Mm -hmm. perhaps when I'm painting them, that's my way of still keeping it very present, even Mm -hmm. though I've left that area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your process with creating your art so do you does it you like how does it usually happen um do you go somewhere see something and you're inspired and then start painting and then that perhaps becomes a collection or how like planned or unplanned what's sort of your process like what does that look like for you 
I wish I could sit here and just say, oh, I have it all mapped out. You know, I have it all planned out. We're going to travel here and I'm going to be inspired and I'm going to come home and I'm going to paint this. No, it is not like that at all. My process is very much ebbs and flows. I will be hit with inspiration during an event or in a place that I had no intention of being inspired by. Mm-hmm. And that will influence me with like the surge of creative energy. And I'm just like trying to get it all out of my head onto either paper or canvas or wood or whatever it is that I'm, I'm working on. And other times we'll travel to a destination that, I mean, it's just teeming with inspiration and beauty. And I don't have that desire. I just, I, I just want to enjoy it, but I don't necessarily have the desire to come back and try to um, capture it. Is that the word, you know, like create, recreate it. I don't know. So my process is kind of all over the place. I'm kind of all over the place, but, <laughs> but what I do know, what I have realized this about me is that when inspiration hits, when I start to feel pulled in a direction, I need to re I need to act on it. And I need to get, I start sketching out the ideas. I start jotting down words that are coming to mind and I got it. I have to get it out onto something tangible. And then from there, typically a collection is created, you know, a, a works are created from that surge of inspiration that I had. And does that happen pretty quick? Let me think. Yeah, I guess so. I think, I think just, my nature is I am very like high sense of urgency. So when I decide I want to do something, I'm very quick about acting on it and doing it. It, it, things, it doesn't take me long to be decisive about the direction I want to go. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, th- I would say that from the point where I'm inspired by something, that inspiration hits to the point where I begin working it out. It, it's, it's pretty like sometimes same day, middle of the night kind of thing. Yeah. Oh my God. I am the same way. And I know we've talked about this before with creative surges and creative stasis and sort of going and going through that wave of creativity that happens from my experience with with most people. Um, And it's always easier, I think, to be in the surge, to to have all the ideas flooding (laughs) and and creating and creating momentum. Um, But how does it feel for you when you're in that more blank, receptive stasis Uh, still space? Does that feel like a comfortable, um, you know, settled place for you? Does it give you a little bit of anxiety? How do you navigate that? And, or how have you been? Um, What does that feel like for you? Yeah, I'm I'm glad you're bringing this up. And to an extent, we're going to reference, reference back to this too, when we talk about um, some of the things I'm working on, because I struggle with the slow part. Mm. When, when I don't feel like my creative juices are flowing, well, in the past, anyway, I would almost attack myself with guilt. You know, you're an artist, you're a creative, you should be creating constantly. Mm -hmm. And it did not take me long to realize that that is not how it works. Uh, At least not for me, I'm going to speak for myself. For me, it doesn't work like that. So my struggle has been when I kind of come off that creative high that, like I said, I have that burst of energy and creative inspiration and I'm go, go, go. When I come off of that, I have to be careful to not discourage myself, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because I almost go into this place where I'm thinking, oh no, you'll never have another idea again. And it's so silly. And I don't know why I do that to myself. 
because of course you always get re-inspired and the same energy comes back and I'm, I'm ready. But what has happened is when I have tried to not respect my slowdown periods, I burn myself out. Yeah. And, yep. and that has happened to me before. And I am no good when I am burnt out. I'm no good as a mother, as a wife, as an artist, as a friend. I am no good. Very few of us can be at our best when we're feeling burnt out. Mm-hmm. And so I'm slowly learning. I'm a little stubborn. So, but I'm slowly learning that I need to give myself grace and respect when my body and when my mind is telling me to just chill and relax mm-hmm. and enjoy what you've already accomplished and stop worrying so much about getting on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So that's been a struggle for me. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. That's been hard for me. Yeah. I resonate with that a hundred percent. I mean, I've definitely been, I, I think I was in years of burnout without even knowing it. You know, you hear the concept burnout and people will talk about it and say, Oh, I I'm going through burnout or I just was burnt out. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Like, I guess I've had feelings of what that is, not realizing that I was like in a perpetual state of burnout. And that's because there was the, the concept of like backing off, slowing down, taking space, creating perspective wasn't really an option. (laughs) Didn't cross my mind. And it really wasn't until I, um, really began to intentionally bring myself into nature and, and it was that I felt so different. And I began to notice the shifts in my energy and my nervous system and the creativity that would come through when I gave myself space and when I was intentionally connected to something that was inspiring to me without trying to you know, use it to be inspiring per se, but just using it to, to nourish and feel, um, just feel really good. Um, so do you, when you go into that sort of, um, you know, period after you have the, the creativity spurt, maybe your collection is complete, your, you've sold the collection and then you have kind of the space, like what are you, where are you right now? So where are you right now in your creative kind of wave? Right and, now I'm in the surge. Yeah. <laughs> I am, I am in the surge. I am, I'm in the middle of a collection. I have all these ideas. I can't get them out fast enough. Um, so I'm, I'm at that part yeah. right now. But I love that you were using the word like intentional a second ago, because that actually, I decided that that was going to be my word for the year because I needed to be reminded of being more intentional with how I utilize my time and my energy, both during my surges and then during the rest. And so, and I, and I, I kind of like following along with what you were saying, sometimes when we're in a resting state, we can almost try to force ourselves to be inspired by our resting, right? And be like, well, I'm going to go rest out in nature. And while I'm there, I'll get inspired for my next thing. And it's like, that completely defeats the purpose of what you're supposed to be trying to do. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm at, you know, I'm at high energy right now, but I am also trying to pace myself and be balanced with it so that I don't exhaust myself before I get to the finish line, you know, as far as it goes with, with releasing a collection. Um, and then trying to remind myself of the lessons I've learned last time when I came off of that energy and how it's okay to pause and be still 
you'll be all right, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good reminder. I don't think I do that enough. Like look back at what you've done and take a moment to celebrate, to appreciate and be grateful for it. I, I'm totally one to admit that I'm not the best at that. Um, and I think, but it's a process, right? And I think people like us that are, and I think so many can resonate with this, that are the go, go, go types, keep creating types. Um, I think it was when I recognized that the slowdown part of that creative process was just as important as the creation itself. Like I needed it to, um, I, my brain needed to understand its value, which sounds a little ridiculous because clearly we need to rest and recharge. That is, you know, we sleep every night as humans. We can't stay up all 24 seven. Like we know this, we know this in our head. So it's almost like, you know, once I recognize like, oh, this is part of the process. This is what brings value to those creative spurts and those, um, those, those areas of action you need to have the rest. And so it was when I could understand its value and its importance and how it actually supports whatever work I'm doing. Um, then I found it was really helpful to be like, okay, I don't need to guilt trip myself. I don't need to think people are going to judge me if I'm in a slower, um, more receptive space at the moment. Um, and so that, you know, I found to be really helpful. It's like, okay, this has, this has a role. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah. And do you, do you feel like, um, like when you're doing your art, um, cause I'm not an artist, but do you find there to be like, I feel like creating art is itself a practice maybe and slowing down or a meditative, uh, or mindfulness practice because you are really present and intentional, uh, and kind of single focused in, in your work. Do you find it to be meditative or sort of its own um, art of slowing down? Yes. And especially, you know, I I work with the different mediums, but especially when I am working with rock pigments, you have to slow down. That is not a medium that you can rush through. It is very involved, very labor intensive, and it requires a lot of focus. It's repetitive, but it's like a focused repetition. You have to kind of be aware of what you're doing before you move on to your next step. So yes, my, my art, this is the interesting thing about my art. When I've asked people before, give me an adjective for my work. When you see it, what do you think? How do you describe it? It's always some kind of calming or soothing adjective that they give me. And if you can't tell from our few minutes of talking through this interview, I'm not a calm person. I'm kind of high strung sometimes. I can be calm, but I'm also kind of like, Woo, you know. <laughs> and so it's so funny to me that my artwork resonates with people as a calming and soothing influence. When a lot of times when I'm in a state of high energy, I'm the exact opposite. So what I have come to realize is that my art is how I ground myself how I keep myself calm, how I keep myself focused. And so for me, yes, my art practice is very much something that keeps me grounded and and keeps me level. Um, But, and especially with, with the rock pigments that just, you you have to slow down for that. So let's talk about 
your, the medium you use. Let's talk about the rock pigments. Um, tell me everything about that because I was not familiar with that. Um, and I, I'm so fascinated by it, by, you know, just because the process of it is so cool, but also as a lover of nature and having sort of tangible, a souvenir from somewhere you've been and then creating something out of it. So you tell us what are rock pigments? How does it work? Where did that come from? All right. So it, it's so funny. Okay. As I already mentioned, when I was little, I was always collecting things. I always had like a window ledge lined up with random stuff that I had found and brought home. Um, that didn't stop as an adult, you know, and one of the things that we would do, uh, my husband and I with our girls, anytime we would travel somewhere, we would bring home a rock and we would label it and we had a little ledge and it was kind of like a, a like a visual, a tangible map of places we'd been, you know, when each rock was different and it was always kind of fun, a, a fun conversation start when people would see it when they came to visit. But that's not where I got the idea to do this. <laughs> Just, just making a connection here that I've always had a love for little natural gifts is what I call them. Mm. Well, it was my youngest and I um, were outside one day and my youngest is a lot like me where she likes collecting things. And then just as soon as, you know, she collects something, she hands it to mommy to hold, you know, that's a typical kid, you know, mommy holds everything. And she would hand me all these little rocks and stuff and they're all dirty and grimy and I'm wiping my pants, you know, my hands, on my pants. And, then I realized that they're staining my pants and I'm getting a little frustrated. Like, oh, they're staining, you know, my jeans. I'm, oh my goodness. But then I realized it wasn't dirt that had stained my clothing. It was color. It was the pigment from the rocks. These particular rocks were very soft. So the, the pigment was kind of um, easily wiping off. And, you know, just that creative curiosity, I'm thinking, okay, pigments, you know, these rocks have pigments. Pigments is what artists want to use to create with. I wonder if I could make paint or somehow I, I was thinking maybe at least along the lines of like making chalk or something, you know, and obviously this is not necessarily an original idea. This was probably how paint paint was made long before any of us ever started doing it. But I kind of went down that Google rabbit hole of searching about making paint from rocks and I just kind of became obsessed with learning about it, you know, and I'm still learning. I don't think I'll ever stop learning, but essentially I go out now and I, I'm always exploring the ground. I'm looking for rocks and I do a hard test, a hardness test on it where I'll scrape it against another hard surface, maybe concrete or another hard rock to see if it gives off um, a streak of color. And if it does, I'm like, okay, this could be a good one, you know, so I'll gather them up, I bring them home. And I have to do this process in batches, because if I were to try to work from a rock to a painting, all in one sitting, oh my goodness, it's, it's it would take so long. Mm. So I start crushing the rocks, I usually categorize them by the color I think they'll give me. But I've been I've been surprised before a rock might look one way on the outside and be so different on the inside, but I'll, I'll crush them up. I'll grind it up. I'll sift out the heavy sandy particles. And eventually through a series of refining, I'm left with this little soft powder, um, which is like the fine pigment from the rock. 
And with that, I combine it with whatever binder I want to create either oil or you can do like a natural acrylic or watercolor style paint is what I tend to lean towards. And that's how you make the paint. And, you know, I have all sorts of fun little process videos on my Instagram page because it is so fun to watch. It is so satisfying to watch the mulling process of combining the pigment with the binder and, and getting the liquid paint from it. And it's just, it's, it's awesome. So from there, I usually keep a little like test swab of each color I get in my journal. That way I can always reference back and see what have I, what colors have I gotten from these rocks? And I'll, I'll log it. I'll keep little notes about where I found the rock from. And, you know, with time, you know, I'm, starting to, you know, realize certain areas give me more colors of, of reds and oranges and other areas might give me more beiges and purples. And, you know, and so now it's given me a great reason to need to travel because yeah. <laughs> I need to travel so I can find more rocks. It's all part of the business now. <laughs> yeah. Do you have, um, like, do you jar them and keep them for a while? Yeah. So what I do when I get to the point where I'm left with that fine, pigment powder, I keep them in little glass jars. And that way I can just use what I need to combine with a binder to make paint. So the little glass jars of dried powder, I mean, they will last forever. Wow. Um, you know, it's, they're rocks, they're not going to go anywhere. So now I have this cabinet in my studio where it's become my, my pigment cabinet. And I sometimes will just open the doors and just stare at all my pretty little jars of different color pigments. And I just, I just get so happy because it's, it's a collection, <laughs> just like how I used to do as a child, lining up all my little treasures in a row. I now have this cabinet and lined up all in a row, you know, on the shelves are my little treasures for nature, all these little jars of crushed pigment. I was going to say, I feel like I would have a hard time using them because I'd be afraid that then it would be gone. Do you yeah, have and, that? And so, sometimes, you know, if I wasn't able, if I wasn't in a situation where I could collect a lot of the same rock, I might only be able to walk away from an area with one rock, right? And by the time you process that rock down to powder, you know, you might have a rock the size of your, your hand and you get like a thumb size amount of pigment from that rock. And, and that can be a little discouraging sometimes because you're wanting, especially if it's a color you absolutely love, you're wanting so much, but that is the reality of working with natural things. You're not going to have it in abundance. So what you do have is precious mm. and it's special and you will use it in a very meaningful and intentional way so that you don't waste it. Mm. I love that. I love that. Do you have a favorite pigment or a favorite rock or a favorite place where you found some rocks that you really loved? Not necessarily. I did have a friend uh, that is, I've gotten to the point now where my, my friends will bring me rocks when they travel. It's like, it's this whole thing now in my friend circle, everyone goes somewhere. They're like, you want us to bring you back something? I'm like, yeah, a rock. You know. <laughs> so I did have a one friend who brought me back a ton of rocks from Georgia and that that's because I had such a, an abundance of the rocks and was able to get quite a bit of pigment. These pigments are what I was able to utilize for this collection I'm working on currently. 
And I'll tell you the colors I am getting from these rocks, they're, oh my goodness, like they're these reds and um, rust tones and um, pretty shades of like beige and they're beautiful. So I didn't have a favorite before, but I kind of think I'm really loving these, um, I guess it would be like Southern Georgia pigment colors, you know, like that, you always hear like that Georgia clay, you know, like that red clay in Georgia. They're a lot like that. You know, I'm getting a lot of those pretty earthy um, reds and rust and oranges are beautiful. And are those a part of the collection that you, are you working on a collection right now or are you yes. done with it and it's ready to be released and you're. No, not yet. It'll probably be ready in the spring. I'm working on, I've been working on it for um, about a month now. And Honestly, the, the first the first month was probably just all the, the processing of the rocks. That is a that's a work of art in itself, just getting to the point where you can now start painting, you know. Um, so it takes time. This collection is one that, like I said, you you don't you can't rush through it, which is good for me because it's forcing me to be slow and intentional and steady with how I'm working. So no, it is in the works. So <laughs> even when this um, uh, podcast airs, it probably will still not be complete. So my goal is, you know, springtime, it should be finished. And so it sounds like creating the pigments is a big part of your process, but also the ritual of your art. Are there any other rituals or things that are a part of the process from beginning to end? Even if it's, I don't know, listening to a certain type of music or something like that. Is yeah. Yeah. I, I'm very much like, I have like my little, like I have to create this whole vibe, right? Like I want my record player on, mm -hmm. I want my candle lit. I, of course I need to have a mug of coffee. Mm -hmm. um, so I do, I do try to kind of create in a create this little environment, this atmosphere, that's the word I'm looking for. I try to create this atmosphere because it almost like it triggers me to go into creative mode. Right. Um, so yeah, so I, I do, I do do that. Yes. And with that, do you have any boundaries around your creation time? Uh, is it, is it easy to sort of, you know, respect the time that you're dedicating towards your art or, you know, at this point, maybe you're sort of more seasoned into your art and it as a business. Um, but do you feel like you have to set certain boundaries around it so that you do stay focused on it versus get pulled away with other things? How do you kind of balance? Um, I think, I mean, as a, as a parent, I work when the kids are occupied. So when the kids are in school, that is my time to get into the, the messy part of my art. Um, because there is there is a balance, as, as with any any of us, we need to balance our, our work, even if it's fun work, like mine is fun. So it can be easy to kind of not ever want to stop because I enjoy it so much. But then I also have, I have family obligations. I have other obligations and other things in my life that I also have to take care of. So yes, there does have to be a balance. I don't have like specific hours. I, I, I usually just start, I have for my day, what I would like to accomplish. And then I work for the period of time that I need to accomplish that task before going to the next task, mm -hmm. trying to get it done. Mm -hmm. 
And I know you refer to yourself as an intuitive painter. Um, what does that mean exactly? Or what does that mean to you? So to me, it just means I try to focus more on the process than the end result. Mm. And I, I think it might mean a little different for different people, but because sometimes I can be a little unfocused, I like that I don't, I don't need to start being so concerned about how it's going to end. I can just enjoy what I'm doing and how I'm doing. And I mean, of course I have my little, you know, our artistic rules, right. In my head that I follow, but I try to just enjoy the process and not get so hung up on what the end result needs to be. And that's good again for my personality because it doesn't, it doesn't let me control it. <laughs> I don't have to control every little thing. I can just let my art flow, let my process flow, and more importantly, enjoy the process while I'm in it and while I'm doing it. Yeah, I feel like that's such an important lesson that I think we all know, but we often forget is it's the journey, it's the process, it's the the creating of the thing, not necessarily the thing itself that allows us to um, feel grounded, that allows us to connect, that gives us inspiration and, and enjoyment. So that's so fascinating. I feel like we have similar personalities and I'm feeling like I need to like get some watercolors or something and start painting. Hey. <laughs> I'll have to send you some earth paints. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. I would yeah, love I'll have to send you some. Yeah. That, I, I feel like it is a good brain activity or a good um, a good way to um, to slow down, as you've said. You know, I think it I, I can see really in what you're saying how beneficial it can be for your brain, your nervous system, your mental health. So with the collection you're working on right now, you've told us a little bit about it. What else can you tell us about it? I guess I could kind of explain how it came to be, how the idea or the inspiration kind of came about. Um, it, it, a lot of it had to do with me thinking about like the season that we're currently in. We're in the winter season. Things kind of slow down you know, in nature, they kind of slow down. And something I was appreciating about the winter season is that when nature pauses, it does so unapologetically. Mm. And, you know, things go dormant, trees drop their leaves, everything comes to a, a, a state of rest. And there's no guilt behind it. And we live in this culture where you're made to feel guilty if you're not being productive. And we find find ourselves in this state of constant like pressure and stress trying to appear productive. <laughs> and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, where you have to, you have to have times where you're in a state of rest and not always in a state of doing. And so I was thinking about the example that nature has set for us um, that teaches us the benefits of slowing down and it and regrouping, regrounding ourselves. And then we see the we see the result. The result is spring. Mm. The result is like this burst of energy and vibrancy and, and just everything waking up and coming back to life. But that had that only happened because things came to a place of rest prior and they regroup, they recharge. And so I kind of came out of 2021 feeling really run down that burnout we were talking about. Mm. I, I was 
angry at myself that I'd even let myself get to that point of burnout, but I was there kind of the end of last year. And I had this long list of things to accomplish come 2022, you know, like, oh, I'm going to hit the ground running and get all this stuff done. And that it was about at that point where I was making those observations that I just mentioned about nature pauses and doesn't have feel any guilt. Right. So this new collection kind of has come about because I gave myself a little grace and recognized that I needed to sit still for a minute and collect myself and, and rest and, and do all those things that we talked about we need. And that gave me so much appreciation that this collection has kind of evolved from my appreciation for that lesson. Mm. And so, um, in fact, a lot of the pieces as, as I'm working on them, they're inspired really by little things in nature that are beautiful because they're left alone. Peeling tree bark or, you know, moss or lichen, those, those things come about when you leave an area undisturbed in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, even little mushrooms, things like that. All that stuff starts to come when it's not bothered, when it's left alone. And I notice that those have been the things that when I'm creating a mood board to try to figure out, you know, an overall color palette or, or whatever, those are the type of little natural um, photos that I, I pin to my mood board. Because again, they all come about because they're left undisturbed. They're just left to rest and to be beautiful. And uh, the older they get, the more weather they get, the more beautiful they are. And so, yeah, so it's kind of all come about because of just me taking the lesson. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this conversation also has kind of come full circle with that as well. Just the, just speaking to the art and value of slowing down as a, as just simply part of the process of creation. So I love that so much. I cannot wait to see what those pieces look like. Uh, when, when did you say that, uh, collection you think will be coming out? Oh, I'm aiming for the early spring. So I haven't decided on a release date yet. And I think until I see the collection gets to a point for me, anyway, my collections get to a point where they start to come together. They kind of start out as like individual pieces that are under the umbrella of a concept or of an idea, but they're still just kind of like pieces. And then there's this point where all of a sudden all those pieces come together and they're cohesive Mm. and boom, a collection is born. Mm. So I'm at that point where they're all starting to come together. Like they're starting to come together, you know, and and I'm still adding and tweaking and stuff, but I'm starting to see the cohesion of this collection come together. So I'm thinking early spring, Anybody on my email list will know as soon as I have a date, they'll know the date. um, And then eventually they'll know a time when everything will hit the website. So um, that that's where I'm thinking right now. So I don't have an exact date yet, but it's coming. It's coming. And I'm so proud of this collection. I really am. It, it really is. It's very meaningful to me. Mm, Yeah. I can tell and I can feel it and I can't wait to see it. 
Um, so people should go to your website, Chanel Joy Fine Art, and that's C-H-A-N-E-L-L joyfineart.com and sign up for your email list if they want to be the first to know about the release of your collection. And in the meantime, definitely follow her, uh, Chanel Joy Fine Art on Instagram. Your Instagram is beautiful. The colors, the shape, like just everything about it is so inspiring and beautiful. So I encourage oh, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> I encourage anyone to go follow her over there. Um, and like you said, you show a lot of your process, like creating the pigments, which is super fascinating. I know um, for those of us, my hand is raised, who are not artists, getting a behind the scenes and really, uh, really understanding what goes into creating the art that's on the canvas is so fascinating because I know it's different for every person and it's often so much more goes into it than really you might think if you're not someone who does that for a living. So definitely follow her um, on Instagram as well. And before we wrap up, is there anything on your heart, your mind that you want to share? I think I have shared it. <laughs> You've just given me a chance to just pour out all kinds of kinds of stuff today. And I just, I really enjoyed this. Me this too. was fun. It was so amazing to connect with you. And the last uh, thing I like to do with folks before we sign off on the podcast is a few rapid fire nature inspired questions. It's like a this or that sunrise or sunset. Oh, sunrise. Even though I'm not a morning person, I love sunrises. And again, probably because they're more rare for me to see than sunsets. Ooh, oh, I love that. I love that. Underwater or on the ground? Oh, that's hard. Um, this is supposed to be rapid. Oh my goodness, the pressure. I think underwater, I, I really love snorkeling. <laughs> I love looking underwater. It's like this whole little world that I don't get to see when I'm on land. So I do like underwater, yeah. Stargazing or sunbathing? Mm, stargazing. Colorful landscapes or earth tones? Earth tones. Me too. <laughs> the coast or the mountains? Mountains. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I love the mountains. Same. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chanel. This was so fun. It was great to connect with you and learn more. And um, thank you for sharing your art. It's amazing and gorgeous. And um, talk to you soon. I want to invite you to an upcoming event, Nature Nidra for Connection and Creativity. This is a free online experience with me to guide you back to yourself through nature. Yes, it is going to be soothing, relaxing. You're going to feel connected. It's happening Wednesday, March 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern. I'm going to do a live Nature Nidra regrounding meditation, and this visualization is going to calm your nervous system and help you connect with your innate creativity. We're going to talk about what regrounding is, my seven touch points into nature, cultivating your connection, and I'm going to share with you a sneak peek at my new live offering, Nature as Ceremony. I'm really excited and I hope to see you there. You can sign up at bit.ly slash nature nidra. That's bit.ly slash n-a-t-u-r-e 
N-I-D-R-A. <laughs> and if you didn't get that, I'm adding it to the show notes so you'll be able to find a link there and I hope to see you there. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Daily Regrounding Podcast. If you loved it, I would be so grateful for you to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're listening, as well as share with a friend. And if you want to work with me, you can go to my website, meredithewinson.com, and have a look at my current nature-inspired meditation, mindfulness, and movement offerings. I'd love for you to connect with me on Instagram, at meredithewinson. Thanks again for listening. And remember, with just one breath, one moment of awareness, or one step into nature, you can reground back to you.